Good morning and happy Sunday, champions. Hope you guys are having a wonderful day. I want to welcome each and every one of you to another broadcast of the Fellowship of Champions Church International Sunday Celebration. We are so happy that you are here. Uh, so happy that you have decided to join us once again. There is nothing like coming together uh, and sharing the word with one another. So I'm excited to be here. I hope you're excited to be here. As you can see, it is just me today. Uh, typically, it is myself and my lovely wife, Pastor Shun. Uh, but we have had a busy, busy weekend, and it's going to still get a little busier. Uh, as many of you probably have already seen, uh, our daughter Jordan graduated high school. That's right. She graduated high school on yesterday. Uh, we were so excited about that. And then we had to make our way uh, from Fayetteville, Arkansas to Atlanta, Georgia, where this morning our son Caleb will be graduating from Morehouse College. So we've been busy, uh, and so you're just going to get me today. Uh, hopefully that'll be all right, and then next week uh, we'll both be uh, right back here. Listen, let me just take a moment and say this. Uh, congratulations to all the graduates, right, whether you graduated pre-K, whether you graduated kindergarten, whether you had an elementary graduation or middle school and junior high graduation, a high school graduation, you got your bachelor's degree, your master's degree, your law degree, your PhD, whatever accomplishment you have accomplished in this last year that culminates in a graduation and getting a degree or a certificate on behalf of myself and Pastor Sean and the entire family at Fellowship of Champions. Uh, we want to say congratulations to you, uh, tell you how proud we are of you. Uh, we're looking forward to awarding our scholarships this year. You're going to be hearing a lot about that uh, starting the 1st of June. And so we're just excited uh, for people to be accomplishing their dreams. And we just want to say congratulations to each and every one of you if we haven't said it to you personally. If we saw it on your Facebook page, we definitely said something about it, right? Listen. I have the opportunity to pastor one of the best churches this side of heaven, right? And so I just want to take this time and just remind you of our motto, and that is that we are a church teaching you how to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. I say that because we've been talking a lot about total life prosperity lately, and I don't want you to forget it, that the key to walking in total life prosperity is, number one, learning how to walk in love, right? And then you got to learn how to live by faith so that you can experience everything that God has for you. So, I'm not going to go through all of our announcements like I normally would, uh, but I do want to remind you of one special announcement, and that is I'm asking you to join us, all of us, right, next Sunday. Join us next Sunday. Uh, it's going to be uh, our May Champions Huddle. Our Champions Huddle is where we have in-person worship. Uh, we All of our partners from around the country and around the world, we, we gather here in Fayetteville, Arkansas on our local campus, and, and we have uh, praise and worship. We pray together. We make confessions together. We pray over each other. We just have a great time of fellowship, uh, and we do that once a month 
It's Memorial Day weekend. It's Memorial Day weekend. So I know that a lot of you won't necessarily have to just get right back to work on Monday. So this may be the perfect opportunity and the perfect time for you uh, to join us for, uh, for our Champions Huddle. If you've not done one of those, if you've not attended one of those, then we are asking you to take the time uh, to do that. We would really, really uh, appreciate it. And so the rest of the announcements I'll get to at the end. Uh, I want to save a lot of my time really for just um, the message this morning. It's not going to be very long, not going to be very long at all, but I want to just share with you um, really along the same veins that we've been talking about the last several weeks. You know, we've been in a series called Christ is the Answer. And truly, Christ is the answer. He is the answer for every problem, for every situation, and for every circumstance that we can encounter. And then on Wednesday night, if you miss Wednesday night, I'm going to personally encourage you to go back and listen to it. Uh, Pastor Ralph taught Wednesday night Bible study. And in the Bible study, uh, he was teaching from uh, the title, Staying Calm During the Storm. Staying Calm during the storm. Now, if you're not new to Fellowship of Champions, then you know that uh, our guiding word is all about staying calm during the storm. And if you are new to Fellowship of Champions, let me just say this. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> I think I forgot to ask you to do this because most of you just do it all the time. But if you are with me and you haven't done it yet, Go ahead and share this broadcast. You can share it on your story on Facebook. You can share it on Reels on Instagram. You can share it uh, on your personal page. Listen, tag friends, tag family members, co-workers, uh, anybody you think who could benefit from hearing uh, the word that is taught here at Fellowship of Champions. And you know the word that we teach here is Bible-based. It is practical and powerful. And so if you believe that, and if this word has changed your life, then we're asking you to help us get this word to as many people as we can across the country. So if you haven't shared that, do that. Also, if you haven't liked the broadcast yet, go ahead and like it, love it, heart it, share it, whatever you have to do uh, to help us get those analytics up so that Facebook and our other platforms can push this out to other people who uh, have like and common interests. And then also go ahead and let us know, because many of you have done it, let us know where you're watching from, right? Let us know what city you're in uh, or at least what state you're in uh, or maybe even what country you're from, because we have people who literally watch these broadcasts all over the world, all over the world. We are an international ministry with international partners uh, on, on six of the seven continents. And so uh, we don't have anybody in Antarctica that we know of yet uh, who's watching the broadcast. But every other continent, we have someone who's watching. So we encourage you to keep sharing, keep helping us spread the word. And then if you are watching this broadcast live, go ahead and just hashtag the word live. Uh, you may not be watching it live and you go, well, how do I know? If you see a small red box in the upper left-hand corner of your screen, it says live, you're catching us live. But if you happen to be watching this and you don't see the box, it's okay. It just means you caught the replay. But I can assure you, the anointing on the, on the recording is just as strong. And so if you'll sit and you'll listen and you'll hear word, uh, the same information and revelation uh, that others get live, you'll get on the replay as well. Okay. So let me go back to what I was saying about Wednesday night. Pastor Ralph was teaching about staying calm during the storm. And today I'm really just going to kind of piggyback off of 
uh, that teaching. Uh, my title's a little different, but the subject matter is going to be pretty much the same. Uh, I'll use a few different scriptures and a few different points. But again, our church is in this season where we are taking the guiding word that the Lord gave to us back in November and December of 2022. And it's been guiding our lives throughout these first five months so far. Uh, and we know that this the word tells us not to fear, not to panic. It tells us to partner with God. It tells us that there's already been uh, supernatural gates open for us and that great ease will come up on our lives when we walk in obedience and we begin to partner with him. And so uh, today I want to talk a little bit uh, about that and get right into the word. So let me just pray for a second and then we'll get into the word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of fellowship. We thank you for this time of being able to sit around your word. We ask that you would uh, allow our ears to be open, allow our hearts to be open, allow our minds to be open. Share with us not just information, but revelation, things that will change our lives for the better. Teach us how to hear your voice, how to walk closer to you, and how to carry out your kingdom will in this world. Father, we thank you so much that we know that when we pray, we believe we've received. So we thank you right now in the name of Jesus, Father, for everything that you've already done for us, everything you are doing for us, and everything you will do. And we thank you in your son Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So here's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about surviving the squeeze surviving the squeeze. What does that mean? We're talking about developing the fortitude to overcome pressure. Developing the fortitude to overcome pressure. I'm going to begin with the scripture that we read a couple of times the last several weeks because I believe it sets us up so perfectly to talk about how do we survive the squeeze, right? The Bible tells us in 1 Peter that it says that the devil is like a roaring lion, right? And he's always looking for someone to devour. But Jesus left us some very comforting words. And those are the words that we want to use as an anchor for today's teaching. It begins in John chapter 16, verse 32 and verse 33. And this is where we're going to start. It says, behold. And Jesus here is talking to his disciples. And if you go back and you read a few uh, scriptures earlier, Jesus is talking to his disciples about him going back to the father. And he says that, you know, I come from the father and you guys believe in me. And so the father loves you because you have loved me and I am from him. But now it's my time to go back to him. And the disciples hearing this, they kind of say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Jesus. Hold on a second. They say, can you please, please stop talking in parables? And can you just make this plain for us? What are you trying to tell us? And then Jesus comes in, in John chapter 16, verse 32. He says to them, he says, behold, the hour has come. Yea, is now come that you shall be scattered. He says, told his disciples, he said, you guys are going to be scattered abroad. He said, every man to his own. He says, and you shall leave me alone. He said, it's going to come a time very soon where you guys are going to go in different directions and you're not going to be here with me. You're not even going to be sticking beside me. What I'm going to go through, I already know I'm, I'm going to go through it alone. He says, but yet I'm really not alone. He says, because the father 
is with me. And Jesus understood that going to the cross meant that G meant that the father would be there with him until the time that Jesus, that the father had to turn his back on Jesus when Jesus bore all of the sins of the world. Right. But Jesus is explaining to them that's what's about to happen. And they don't want to hear it. They're like, you need to speak to us in plain English. And so then Jesus says to them, he says, these things have I spoken unto you. I'm telling you all of these things so that you would know that in me you might have peace. And of course, here at Fellowship of Champions, we taught on this word peace so many times. We know that word peace means the, the, the Hebrew word shalom. In, in other words, it means nothing missing and nothing broken. He says, you are going to find peace in me, even though you're going to be scattered even though every man will be left to his own, and even though all of you will desert me. He says, in me, though, you're going to find peace. He says, but I need you to understand that in this world, this world that you live in, he says, you are going to have tribulation, or you are going to have problems, or you are going to have pressure, right? He says, but even when you experience that, be of good cheer. He says, now, why would I ask you to be of good cheer when you've been scattered? Why would I ask you to be of good cheer when you are, are alone? Why would I ask you to be of good cheer when you have left and forsaken me? When you're going through all of these trials and tribulations and all this stress and pressure, how can I ask you to be of good courage or be of good cheer? He says, because I have overcome the world. Jesus says, and because I've overcome the world, if you are in me, then you too have overcome the world. And so today, I want to pick up kind of where Pastor Ralph left off when he was talking about staying calm during the storm. I want to talk to you about surviving the squeeze. In fact, not even just surviving it, but learning how to thrive through the squeeze, because we're all going to experience a squeeze at some point in time. But we must learn to develop the fortitude to be over to be able to overcome life's pressures. Why? Because we understand, and we've said this many times before, that being born again does not exempt you or I of life's challenges. Just because we love Jesus, just because we go to a local church, just because we work in that local church in various ministries and auxiliaries, just because we give, just because we fast, just because we serve, it doesn't mean that we won't experience a squeeze every now and then. It doesn't mean that life won't try to put pressure on us to see if it can either conform us to what the world wants us to be or to test us and see what's really on the inside of us. See, in this context, when I talk about pressure, I am talking about pressure that refers to stress or demands or, or the challenges that each and every one of us are almost guaranteed to encounter at some point in our lives, whether our personal lives, our professional lives, or even our spiritual lives. Why? Because life often presents us with an array of pressures 
that can leave us feeling overwhelmed, burdened, and uncertain if we don't have the fortitude to know how to overcome pressure. In other words, if we don't learn to survive the squeeze. See, whether it be from a financial challenge to relationship struggles, work-related stress or personal setbacks, or even societal expectations, it can sometimes seem like the weight of the world is bearing down on us. And a lot of times, if you just look around, you know, we used to think that it was the people who who, who, who weren't involved in church, the people who, who, who didn't quote unquote know the Lord, that those were the people who had uh, mental issues or mental pressures. But what we're finding is that this world is growing more and more dim. It is becoming more and more wicked. And as a result, we live in this earth, even though we're not part of this world, you know, we're, 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 we're born again, we're, we're citizens of the kingdom, but we live in this world. And as a result, the issues that are impacting this world sometimes have the, the tendency to try to attack or to get on us. And so when we're dealing with this pressure, we have to understand that, that it is a natural experience that, that, that we have not necessarily done something wrong because we are experiencing this pressure. The weight of this world wants to wear us down. It wants to squeeze us and conform us into this world's way of being, this world's way of thinking, and this world's way of doing things. But dealing with pressure is an inevitable part of every person's life. And no one, hear me when I say this, no one can completely avoid it. How do I know? Because Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. He said, you will have tribulation, you will have trials, and you will have pressure. He says, but be of good cheer because I've already overcome the world. See, Jesus himself, he told us that in this world we would have trouble. But he also told us not to fear, not to worry, not to panic, not to stress, because he already had the answer for dealing with trouble. And the Bible says it like this. It says, thanks be to God who giveth us the victory. So God has given you and I the victory in Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ has already overcome the world, then we've already overcome the world. Now, come on. You know what I'm about to ask you to do. Put that in the comment section. Say, I have overcome the world. Someone says, oh, wait a minute, Pastor. That's a pretty big statement. I know it's a big statement, but it's a true statement. And I need every one of you who are on this broadcast to go ahead and say that. I have overcome the world. All you're saying is I'm in Jesus Christ. Jesus says I've overcome the world. And if you be in me, you too have overcome the world. Now, understand this. There is a blueprint for surviving the squeeze. Okay, there's a blueprint, a blueprint for learning how to do that. There's a blueprint for you and I to be able to overcome everything we face in life. I know you say, well, everything. Yes, everything we face in life. If we just learn to turn to the timeless wisdom of God's holy word so that you and I can discover what it says about dealing with life pressures. 
That's the great thing about the word of God. It deals with everything you're going to face. Whatever you, the Bible says it like this, there's nothing new under the sun. And because there's nothing new under the sun, then the word of God gives us uh, insight, revelation, strategies, and wisdom and knowledge for how to deal with whatever pressures are coming on us. See, by facing and overcoming pressure, we learn valuable life lessons. We learn valuable life lessons that will eventually play a critical role in our own personal growth and development if we will learn the word and if we will practice the word. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, I must learn the word and I must practice the word. I'm going to say it again. I must learn the word and I must practice the word. I must learn the word and practice the word. Why? Because these timeless truths that Jesus shows us by his example, it teaches us how to build resiliency and how to acquire the right coping mechanisms so that you and I can subdue and dominate any future challenges that come in our life more effectively. Jesus has given us the blueprint. The reality is maturing through this pressure, learning to mature through whatever pressure you face is essential for a Christian spiritual development. I know people don't want to go through nothing, but that's what the Bible tells us to count it all joy when you go through diverse temptations. Why? Because he knew they were going to come. So he's telling he's giving us the blueprint of how our emotional state should be, how our behavior should be, how our thinking should be. And so the reality of it is, if we don't go through these pressures, then we don't ever get to mature and be the, the and be the mature Christians we're supposed to be so that we can then help other people walk through their pressures in life as well. See, understanding going through pressure helps us to build a strong foundation of faith. It helps us to cultivate essential spiritual qualities that are needed for us in our Christian journey. It also allows us to effectively serve God, and I love this, and others. It effectively uh, teaches us how to, to serve God, which is this vertical relationship we ought to have, but also this horizontal relationship, how we get to serve others. Understand, pressure can act as a catalyst. It can act as a catalyst for growth in various aspects of our life, our personal lives, our professional lives, and our spiritual lives. God doesn't put pressure on us, but he does use pressure to grow us in the same way that if you were lifting weights, every time you're lifting weights, you're putting pressure on the muscle. Well, what are you doing? You are training that muscle to get stronger and stronger because you keep pushing the pressure. You keep push, pushing that pressure. See, pressure serves as a catalyst for growth by pushing us to face new challenges, by pushing us to adopt new uh, standards and new situations and new ways of thinking and to develop new skill sets and to discover new abilities in our own lives. That's what pressure does. Pressure pushes me to learn something new. See, sometimes there's a pressure that'll come, it'll teach you how to pray better. It, it, sometimes there's a pressure that comes and it teaches you through the pressure of, of, of how to serve more effectively. It, it, sometimes pressure comes and it teaches you how to get closer to God. The pressure isn't good, but if you learn to deal 
with the pressure based on Jesus's blueprint, then the pressure actually becomes the thing that makes you stronger. What do I mean? I mean, by embracing pressure and leveraging it for personal and professional development, we can literally unlock our God-given potential and foster growth in every aspect of our life. Pastor, what are you saying? Are you saying that I can use pressure to be better? Yes. I'm saying that you can learn to survive this squeeze, the squeeze the world is trying to put on you, that you can learn to develop the fortitude to overcome this pressure and allow this pressure to be a catalyst that makes you more like God. See, the truth is, anytime that we face adversity or trouble, a.k.a. pressure, it is a necessary part of life for several reasons. Why? Because pressure helps us grow. You know, when, when you were in school, think about the pressure of having to learn those multiplication facts, right? If you never learn those multiplication facts, if you never dig in and really get those things down, it become a hindrance for you when you try to do higher level math. Multiplication is kind of like the, the, it's, it's, it's the, it's the door opener. You got to get that part, right, in order for you to do any higher level math. Well, that, that math, learning those math facts was pressure on you. But now that you practice them, you learn and you practice, you learn and you practice. Now you've mastered that thing. And now that thing that used to be uh, pressure on you, you've mastered it and you're using it to do something greater than what you could have done before. So I'm not going to be before you long, but I got a couple of things I want to share with you from Jesus's blueprint about how to survive the squeeze, about how to develop the fortitude to overcome pressure. Number one, if you're going to survive the squeeze, if you're going to develop the fortitude to overcome pressure, you must learn to seek God's presence and rest in him. It is way too many believers out here trying to do everything on their own. They're trying to figure out everything on their own. Or they're trying to figure out everything with a team of people and, and, and they're asking everybody but God himself. They're asking everybody except Holy Spirit. They're, they're not spending any time in his presence. Remember, we're, we're still in this series called Christ is the Answer. And because Christ is the answer, Christ is the answer for me learning how to survive the squeeze. Christ is the answer for me learning how to develop the fortitude to overcome pressure. But the first thing I must do is I must learn to seek his presence. It is in his presence that all of my answers get answered. It is in his presence that I learn to rest and get rid of stress and struggle and strain. Now, what does the Bible say about this? What was the what's part of the blueprint that Jesus leaves for us in his word? Well, in the midst of life pressures, we're reminded what the psalmist said in Psalms 46 and 1. In Psalms 46 and 1, it says, God is our refuge. God is our strength and God is an ever present help in times of trouble. So notice this, when, when, when pressure comes, it's not the time to run away from God. When you're experiencing pressure, that's the time when you want to press into God. It's the time you want to get even closer. You say, well, 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 Pastor, I'm already close to God. Well, when that pressure comes, you want to get even closer. You ever seen a, a little kid and they're really close to their mom or dad, but then a stranger may come down the same aisle in the grocery store that they're on. And that little kid gets real close 
to their mom or dad. Why? Because they sense danger. They sense pressure. When you sense danger, when you sense pressure, you want to get real close to your father. I don't care how close you think you are. You want to get a little closer. The Bible tells us that we are to run in to him. He, he is our place of safety. See, the Bible teaches us to seek refuge in God. If you begin to go and you get your uh, Thompson Chain Reference Bible or you get you a Blue Letter Bible or, or heck, you can probably just do a Google search of all the scriptures that talks about God being our refuge. You will see how many times it talks about how we run in in times of trouble. We run in in times of pressure. It says God is our refuge and our strength. He is an ever present help. That means that even when the pressure comes, you don't ever have to pray one of them prayers like, God, where are you? It says he is an ever present help. He is always there. Even when you aren't focusing on him and you're focusing on the problem and you can't see him because you're so focused on the problem, he's still there. That's why he wants to redivert our attention to the fact that he's an ever-present help in trouble. He is always there. But we have to learn to cast our cares on him. The Bible teaches us that. It says we are to lean on his strength. It says we are to find solace in his presence. You know, many of you have heard me talk about the dream, and Pastor John's had me say it several, several times, but I think about that. I think about in that dream that, 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 that God shared with me, that he allowed me to experience, that as Jesus walked by every single person or every single situation, if you want to call it that, in his presence, they found solace. The people who were sad, they found joy. The, the people who were facing financial troubles, they didn't have them anymore. The people who were facing uh, health challenges, they didn't have them anymore. The people who were facing relationships, they didn't have it anymore. Whatever was plaguing them, when they got in the presence of Jesus, things change. We say all the, all the time around here at Fellowship of Champions that something supernatural happens when you pray. Well, I'm going to say this today. Something supernatural happens in the presence of Jesus. Somebody ought to type that in the comment section. Something supernatural happens in the presence of Jesus. And so we've got to learn to, to get in his presence. We've got to learn to spend time with, 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 with our elder brother, Jesus. We've got to learn to spend time with our heavenly father. We've got to learn to spend time with our teacher, the Holy Spirit. We need to spend time in commune with the Trinity. Why? Because it helps us to, to, to get rid of all the pressure and anxiety. And, and, and it's not that it just goes away, but it gives us a more effective way to deal with it. So it seems like it's not there. It seems like it's no big thing. It's, it's a light thing because we have the answer for how to deal with it. Okay. So if we are going to, to look at this blueprint of how to survive the squeeze, the first thing we have to do is we have to learn how important it is that the moment we even recognize that there may be trouble, the moment we recognize that there's pressure, the moment we recognize there, there are trials or tribulations or, or, or stress, that we seek his presence even more, that we learn to take those problems and take those burdens and we lay them at his feet and we rest in him. How do we rest in him? By taking him at 
his word. We take him at his word. That's how we rest in him. You know, I have I have five children and, and over their life. I've done a pretty good job of making sure I didn't make promises and break those promises. So now when I tell my children that I'm going to do something, they have a rest in that word that if I said I'm going to do something for them, they're pretty confident to know their dad is going to do it. And if he doesn't do it, he's going to communicate in such a way and in enough time that we somehow still get it done. Right. I'm not coming up short, but that's me being an earthly father. Now, the Bible talks about that. If your earthly fathers being evil can do good, how much more can your heavenly father? Right. So if things are going away in my life, if pressure is coming, I want to make sure that I stick closer to God. So you ought to always be in his presence. But when the pressures show up, it's not the time to run from him. It's time to get even closer to him. Okay. So that's number one. Here's the second thing you got to do. It's part of number one, but, but people don't do it. Sometimes they, they seek his presence, but they don't actually cast their cares onto him. What does it mean to cast your cares? It means that when I go into prayer, and I give those, those problems, I give those pressures to the Father. I, I lay them at his feet. I don't then get up and walk out of my uh, so-called prayer closet. I don't walk away from that time of being in his presence only to pick up those same problems again and begin to worry about them. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and 7, it says, cast all of your anxiety onto him. Why? Because he cares for you. He says, you've got to learn to take all of this pressure. If you're going to survive the squeeze that this world wants to put on you, if you're going to learn to develop the fortitude to overcome it and not become a victim of it, right? You know, we, we, I think we pray more now in the body of Christ over suicide ideation than I've ever seen before. Why? Because we have more people who are taking their own lives. Why? Because they don't know how to survive the squeeze. They don't know how to develop the fortitude to overcome. They don't understand why it's important to get in his presence and then to cast all of your cares on him. In 1 Peter 5 and 7, it says, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you, because he cares for you. In other words, the word of God assures us that God cares deeply for us. Somebody type that in the comment section. Say, God cares deeply about me. God cares deeply about me. I'm going to say it one more time. God cares deeply about me. And as a result, he invites us. Listen to me. He invites us. He has sent us an invitation in his word where he invites us to bring our worries, our concerns, and our pressures to him. He says that by surrendering our burdens to him, what we're doing is acknowledging our trust in him. We're saying to him, I can't handle this. This is bigger than me. Now, let me tell you, here's the problem. Sometimes we overestimate what we can handle. The reality of it is the scripture says, and let me go back to it. It says, cast all your anxiety. 
not, not just the big anxiety, not just the one that keeps you up at night, not just the one that may put you on medication. He says any anxiety that you have, right? Any worries that you could possibly have. He says, while you're in my presence, come into my presence and then leave those things at my feet. I have an invitation for you in my word. It's an open invitation. You ain't got to worry about whether I'm too busy. You ain't got to worry about who else bringing their problems. You have an open invitation to bring all of your worries, all of your concern, and all of your pressures before him. By surrendering that, we are putting our trust in him. We acknowledge our trust not only in who he said he is, but in his ability to provide his provision for the trouble. See, God is not out here getting caught off guard by some new trouble that you have. He already prepared a solution before the trouble ever showed up. He already knows. One of the things you hear my wife and I say all the time, if you've been around us for any length of time, you've heard us say this. We say all the time, if God doesn't help us, we're going to fail anyway. If God doesn't help us, if God doesn't step in, if God doesn't do this, the best we can do is fail. And because that is our mentality, we are always, always, always seeking God for whatever is happening in our lives, whether we consider it to be big or small, because the Bible says to cast all of your care all of your anxiety, all of your worries, to cast all of that on him because he cares for us and he already has the solution for it. See, understand, God is in control. And because God is in control, if we will relinquish control, then the thing that we were concerned about being able to control would no longer cause us any worries would no longer cause us any pressure, would no longer cause us any anxiety, right? So let us on today release our anxieties. Listen, I don't know what it is that you may be thinking about right at this moment when you're hearing it, but whatever it is, I am I, I beseech you by the mercies of God. I am begging of you that whatever it is, whether it's you worried about a bill, you're worried about a doctor's report, you're worried about a relationship, you're worried about a job, you're worried about where you're supposed to live, you're worried about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. If you're worried about anything, I'm asking you to give that to God this morning. Give that to God. Say, God, I'm through with it. I'm through worrying about it. I ain't going I ain't to lose another ounce of sleep. I ain't going to get another gray hair. That ain't why my hair gray. I ain't going to get another gray hair worrying about these bills, worrying about this person, worrying about what they saying, worrying about this job, worrying about this doctor's report. I'm done worrying. God, you are in control. I release those anxieties today. I lay them at your feet. I give them to you in your loving hands to take these problems, this pressure, these situations. I, I, I'm done. I'm done not making it through. I am going to survive the squeeze of life because when the squeeze comes, I'm going to give it to you. Why? Because we know that he will carry us through. We know he will. He says, just don't be anxious. And we talked about this when we were talking about uh, Christ is the answer in, in Matthew chapter six, verse 31 and 33. And also in Luke 12, 
verse 23 and 24, it says pretty much the same thing. It says, therefore, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? See those things we're talking about, all these problems, whatever it is that you're worrying about? He says, don't be anxious about those things. He says, why? He says, because that's the kind of thinking that the Gentiles have. He said, those who don't know Christ, they, they focus on those things. He says, but your father knows what you have need of. He says, God already knows what you need. He already knows how to solve those problems. He says, so spend your time, right? Here's the blueprint, seeking first the kingdom of God, his way of doing things and his way of being uh, his way of, of, of living and being and doing things. So seek first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. Seek that out. He says, and while you're seeking and learning those things, he says, all these other things that you need, the answers to your problems will be added to you. I shared a testimony during one of my ed talks, and I talked about how I was uh, promoted in a job one time to uh, really two positions over where, where, where I was. I didn't just go to the next position. I actually took my boss's boss position. And, and there were some things in that position I had not had exposure to. I had not had experience doing before. Uh, I didn't know how to do them. Uh, and I literally had to go to God and say, God, I need your help. I don't I don't know how to do this. Uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to show up looking like a, a failure. I'm going to show up looking like like I'm incompetent. I need you to help me. And I literally said I, I literally said, Holy Spirit, I, all I know how to do now is give it to you. I, I'm, I'm just I'm giving it to you. You're the teacher. You're the player. You're the, the paraclete. I need you to teach me. And I went and I took a nap. I did. I went and I took a nap. And in my dream, the Lord gave me the answer for how to put a particular presentation together, what to include in it. I got up from that nap. I spent a few hours, probably about three or four hours, putting that presenta presentation together. And when I presented it, it was not only what they wanted. I had There were things in it that they hadn't considered before that they then made a part of, of, of presentations going forward throughout the whole organization. Why? Because God has your answer can somebody type that in the comment section and say god has my answer he says just seek ye first the kingdom of god he says and when you seek ye first the kingdom of god then all of these things will be added unto you right so we said the first thing you got to do is seek god's presence and learn how to rest in him and then you got to take all those worries and anxieties and you got to cast your cares on him you got to lay them at at his feet so you can acknowledge that you trust him over everything. And then here's the third thing that people need to practice doing. And I know a lot of people don't like talking about it, but it's we say it at our church all the time. Something supernatural happens when you pray. So what do you need to do if you're going to survive the, squeeze, survive the squeeze? You need to find strength in prayer. You need to find strength in prayer. You know, we at our church, we collectively, collectively come together and pray twice a week. But but we're in, but we we tell people you ought to pray every day. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. But we're so important for us that we come together collectively twice a week corporately to pray. Why? Because we believe that something supernatural happens when you pray. Now, one of my favorite scriptures is revealed here in Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven. 
It says, do not be anxious about anything. There that anxious thing is. He's warning us again. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He says, and then when you do that, the, the peace of God, there it is again, that word shalom. Remember, we said it means nothing missing and nothing broken. It says the peace of God, which does what? Surpasses, goes above and beyond all understanding. It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I love this scripture. Why? Because I, it just, here, here it is in the New Living Translation. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Find strength in prayer. It says, just go to God and tell him what you need. And then once you've told him, thank him for all that he has done. Not What do you mean all he's done for the stuff in the past? For everything, the thing you just asked him for. Because the Bible says that when you pray, you believe you receive when? When you pray. He says, so stop being anxious. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Y'all to be giving some hearts and some fire on this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. God, I need an answer for X. The moment you finish, he says, now thank him for all that he's done. Thank him. Start giving God praise for the anxiety. The thing I asked you this morning to give up, to give at his feet when we were talking about casting your cares on him. The thing you decided to give up. I need you now to give God some praise that you no longer have it. And he does that. You no longer have control over it. It is laying at his feet and his dominion and his power and his authority is taking care of it. He's handling it. I need you to give God some praise for that. Why? He says, because when you do, then you will experience God's peace, that shalom, that nothing missing, nothing broken type of living. He says, which exceeds anything that we can even understand. He says, when you give those issues and those problems up to God, there's a peace that will come over you that you don't even, you can't even adequately articulate how good it is. It says his peace, his shalom. It will guard your heart. His peace will guard your heart. In other words, your temperament, your emotions, your well-being. It says, and your mind, your thought process. And why is that important for it to guide, to guard my thought process? Because whatever I think is what I'm going to say. And the Bible says that whatever we say is what we're going to live by. It says, so God, watch this, takes our problems, right? So that we can go and live a life free of anxiety that we can live a life that's filled with his peace. It is surpassing even anything we can understand. And even when the pressure tries to get more and more intense, God is there guarding our heart and our mind so that we don't use our mouth to come into agreement with the pressure. Ooh, glory to God. You see why I love this scripture? He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, make your thanksgiving and request known to God and then start to thank him for everything that he's done. And so if you are going, if you are going to learn to survive the squeeze, you have to make prayer a critical part of your everyday blueprint for developing the fortitude to overcome pressure. You got to find strength in prayer. Prayer ain't begging. Prayer ain't going to God every day saying, God, it didn't happen yesterday. What you going to do today? That's not it. Prayer is giving God's word back to him. You go in prayer and you say, Father, I thank you that every need I have is met. 
Father, I thank you that every relationship that is God ordained, that it is working well in any of them that aren't God. You are working it out right now in Jesus name. Father, I thank you that there's health and strength in my body. Listen, even when you may be feeling pain, I don't say what the pain is doing because that's just a symptom. That's temporary. God, I thank you that I'm healed. I thank you that I am healed. By your stripes, I am healed. You got to learn to find strength in prayer. But you can't pray if you don't know his word because prayer is not begging. It is giving his word back to him. Okay. Number four, let's finish up. You need to learn to embrace godly wisdom. If you are going to survive the squeeze, if you're going to develop the fortitude to overcome pressure, in this time, you've got to learn to embrace godly wisdom. I've been telling you for five months, please read the guiding word. Please read the guiding word. Please come to prayer. Please come to Bible study. Please come to service. Why? Because I can't, I can't get this to you through osmosis. You have to participate in your own rescue. You have to participate in the thing that's going to bring you freedom. So you've got to learn to embrace godly wisdom. It's why the Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust in the Lord. See, when you lay the things that's been burdening you at his feet, it's acknowledging that you're trusting in him. When you're casting your cares onto him, it's acknowledging that you're trusting him. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Okay, don't go the way of your intellect. Don't go the way of your schooling. Don't go the way of your network. It says, if you're going to lean on something, lean not on your own understanding. He says, but in all of your ways, submit to him, who? The father, submit to Holy Spirit. So submit to your savior, Jesus Christ, and he will make your path straight. See, sometimes you think you know the direction to go, but you only know what you can see with your own human uh, insight and understanding. But we serve a God who knows everything. We serve a God who sits high and, and, and literally sees everything at the same time. He sees every situation. My wife and I are big Marvel fans. We, we, we like Marvel. And in Marvel, they talk about the multiverse, right? So something's happening over here, and simultaneously something's happening over here that's different. It's a different multiverse. And there can be millions of multiverses. Listen, even if that were true, God knows the answer in every multiverse. God knows the answer in every in any situation that has ever come up or will come up, God has the answer for it. That's the kind of God you serve. So why would you even choose to lean on to your own understanding when you can't even figure out what you want for dinner this afternoon. You can't even figure out what you're going to eat tomorrow. You don't, you don't even know what you're going to wear yet. Some of you didn't know what you were going to wear to virtual church this morning. <laughs> you didn't know what you was going to put on. So how are you going to trust in your own ability? You got to lean on God and his wisdom. Understand this. When navigating life's pressures, it is essential to seek godly wisdom and guidance. We must lean on God's understanding rather than solely relying on our own limited perspectives. Trusting in the Lord and submitting our ways to him allows you and I to navigate through life with clarity and assurance, with clarity 
and assurance. We're not making decisions and not feeling comfortable about them because we're just going off of, off of misinformation or limited information. When God says go left, there can be no wrong answer. When God says go right, there can be no wrong answer. When God says go, there can be no wrong answer. But when God says stay, there can be no wrong answer. I have to do whatever God tells me to do. Okay, so I must learn to embrace godly wisdom. And then I must, number five, surround myself with the community of support. Now, we've talked about surrounding ourselves with a community of support because I spent an entire um, a, a, an entire ed talk where I literally talked about the importance of taming your team. Right. But I'll give you a scripture to just back this up. It's, it's important who's on your team. It is important who you hang around. Uh, I believe it was on Friday. I posted a, um, a thing on my Facebook page to talk about this lady who was swimming in the world championships. And in that world championship, she blacked out. And as she blacked out, she went, she started going down. Well, there were lots of other people in the pool because it was a race, but her coach was looking for her and realized that when she went underwater, as she was swimming, she didn't come back up. And it was, she was under too long. And they talked about how she just dove in, clothes on and everything to go to the bottom of the pool to get her to pull her out so that she didn't drown. And the question was about who is on your team who's willing to help you and pull you out. I know you help pull out everybody else, but who you got on your team who's willing to help you? Who you got on your team who's willing to dive in the deep end? When you black out, when, when you when you when you don't know what to do, they're willing to stand in the gap and pray for you and intercede for you. So you got to surround yourself with a community of support. Here's what the Bible has to say about it. And I love it. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. It says two are better than one because they have a good return. For their labor. So two is better than one. He says two people doing it is better than one person doing it because they have a return for their labor. They're going to get more when they work together. It says if either one of them falls down, one can help the other one up. It says, but pity on anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. This is the reason God did not call us to do life alone. He did not call us to be on this journey as singletons. And when I say singletons, I don't mean you being single right now. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God called us to have community. Even if you're a single person, you should have community. God called us to have other people who we can support and who can support us. And you need to make sure they're the right people. You need to make people, they are people who have the same mindset as you. And you need to make sure that your mindset is that you are trusting in God. God has never, ever intended for us to face life pressures alone. We are called to support and uplift one another, offering encouragement to each other, pray for each other, and give each other a helping hand when we can. We're supposed to be seeking out a community of believers. That's the reason that we have these monthly huddles, because we want all of our community to come together and have a chance to see each other, to pray for each other, to love on each other. But it's also why we ask you that even when we're not together physically, that you come to Tuesday night, that you come to Wednesday night prayer. 
Did you come to Wednesday night Bible study? Did you come to strategies for success? Did you come to an Ed talk? Did you come uh, to, 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 to prayer on Friday? Did you come to, to, to worship on Sunday with Pastor Chris and Elder Valley? Did you show up for Sunday morning celebration? Why? Because it's a way that we get connected. It's why we ask you to use the comment section. When something resonates with you, I know a lot of y'all, y'all like to watch it on YouTube because you say YouTube don't interfere with the other stuff that's happening in your computer. And I get all that. But you need to also learn how to be engaged. Don't just listen. Learn how to sit there and type your comments. You know, share something because you may share something uh, that resonates with someone else. You got to you got to be a part of the community. It's like going and in, in, in standing beside a big group. And you say, well, I don't feel like I'm part of the group. Yeah, because you're over here standing beside the group, but you won't come into the circle with the group. And so if you're going to learn to survive the squeeze, you're going to need to have some good people in your life. You're going to need to be able to have some good people who can give you godly wisdom so that you can embrace that godly wisdom when you need to do that. OK, and then and then we're going to close with this. And this is one I won't spend a lot of time talking about because I'm gonna really, really talk about this uh, in my Ed talk coming up. But the other thing you're gonna to need to do if you're gonna survive the squeeze, you're gonna to learn to develop the fortitude to overcome pressure. Then you're gonna to have to learn to practice cognitive behavioral restructuring. What in the world is that? Listen, the word cognitive has to do with your mind, has to do with your thinking, your thoughts, okay? The way you process information, okay? Behavioral is about your actions. It's what you do. What do you do? When the world comes and squeeze you, and, and what behavior pops out of you? Well, we know the only thing that's going to pop out of you is what's in you. And so if we want something different to come out of you, then we either have to put something else different in you or restructure what's in you. So cognitive behavior restructuring, restructuring is just about restructuring your behavior based on the way you think. It's restructuring your behavior based on how you think. And this is extremely important. And, and why is this important? Because, you know, if, if you don't if you don't understand uh, why your thinking is important, then you won't understand why you behave the way that you do. See, the Bible tells us in second, I mean, in Philippians uh, two and five, it says, let this mind, right, be in you. What mind? The mind that was in Christ. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And it goes on in that scripture to talk about how he, uh, you know, how he was, how he left literally heaven. You know, he, he left a place of, of, of esteem. Right. To become uh, lower in the form of human so that you and I could rise to his level. It says he had to change the way he thought. It says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And then when we talk about cognitive behavior restructuring, here's, a, here's, a, here's another scripture I want, I want to share with you. Philippians 4 and 8. As I said, we're going to get into this in more detail later. It says, finally, brethren. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure and whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, then think on these things. 
what is this scripture telling us? It's telling us that literally we have to learn to change how we think. When the pressure comes, we can't see the pressure, respond to the pressure, and react to the pressure the way everybody else does. So how do we change that? We change that through something called cognitive restructuring. I got to restructure how I think. It is simply a process where we identify, challenge, and change. We identify, challenge, and change distorted or negative thought patterns that happen in our life. What do you do when pressure comes? How do you respond when great pressure shows up? Because most people in their life have either a fight or flight response to pressure. What do you mean? I mean, you're walking down the street and a dog barks. Do you turn to fight the dog or do you take off running? Because typically those are going to be your responses. Okay. What, what, we, what we're talking about is helping you learn to take that fight response right? And how to fight in the right way. Because the Bible says that our fight is not against flesh and blood. We don't have a flesh and blood fight. What we have is a spiritual fight, not a spiritual flight. And a lot of people take spiritual flight rather than spiritual fight. And we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, in one of my upcoming Ed Talks. But, but, but just for the sake of, of this broadcast, here's what you need to know. If I'm going to change my thinking, it's a quick three-step process. It ain't necessarily easy, but the process is simple. Number one, I got to identify the thinking, right? Whatever the thought is, I got to identify it. Number two, I got to challenge the thinking. Well, my mama told me that. Okay, but I still got to challenge it. Well, my church taught me that. I know, but I still got to challenge it. I got to challenge the identified negative thought. What's a negative thought? Well, everybody in my family got diabetes. You just run in our family. That is a negative thought. The word of God does not say that diabetes is an inheritance for God's children. Okay? So I got to identify the thought. I got to challenge the thought. And then I got to replace the thought. But you can't replace the thought with the right thought if you don't know what the right thought is. It's why one of our four commitments at our church is that people read their word every day. Because if you read your word every day, it'll begin to give you the necessary replacement language so that you can begin to cognitively restruct your behaviors. Why? Because if you change your thinking, you will change your behaviors. Understand, cognitive restructuring isn't about ignoring difficulties. It's not about ignoring pressures. It's not about ignoring trials or tribulations. It's not about ignoring stress or pitfalls. It's not even about pretending that everything is fine. You know, we someone asked me one time, they said, well, pastor, you say we call those things that be not as though, we were, as, as though they were. They said, well, if my arm is broke, am I supposed to just say my arm ain't broke? My arm ain't broke. And I use that example because I said, no, the Bible never tells us that if we have a broken arm to say our, our arm isn't broke. What the scripture says is, is declare we are healed. You notice the difference? I'm not going around saying my arm is broke. My arm is broke. My arm is broke. My arm may have had suffered a fracture. But what am I going to say? I am going to say I'm healed. Oh, Pastor Edwin, you, you in a cast. Yep, I'm healed. 
I'm healed. Why am I saying that? Because I have learned to retrain my mind to push out negative things and to only say what God said, which is always in the affirmative. Okay? Cognitive behavioral restructuring is all about changing your perspective so that you can learn to deal with the squeeze. Okay? But if you notice, I put that last. I did not put that first. Why? Because it's not the most important thing. It's not just a mind thing. It is a part of it, but it's not just a mind thing. If you're going to learn to live successful, if you're going to learn to survive the squeeze and to develop the fortitude to overcome pressure, you've got to get in his presence. You've got to get in his presence. And when you do, you've got to then learn to cast your cares there and leave them there. You got to leave them there. How do you leave them there? By learning how to effectively pray. By learning to give God back his word. When you give God back his word, you won't have a desire to pick that stuff up anymore. And then also you got to learn to embrace godly wisdom. When we tell you to read the guiding word in January, because it says, don't be concerned about the words you will hear over the first six months. But now here it is almost a six month and you ain't read it but once. And now you're concerned because interest rates are going up. Now you're concerned because they're charging $1,000 more for rent than they used to just a month ago. Now, now you're concerned because the U.S. is talking about hitting the debt ceiling and what that will do for, for, for interest rates. For those of you who, who have adjustable rate uh, interest rates. The cost of food, the cost of gas. Now you're concerned all about that now. But if you'd have been reading his word, January, February, March, April, when you start to hear these kind of things, it wouldn't even bother you. So you got to learn to embrace godly wisdom. And then you also need to make sure you're surrounding yourself with the right community. If you are a partner at Fellowship of Champions, you got a good community. The issue is, do you utilize the community? Do you utilize the community or do you just use the community? Ooh. Do you utilize it? Do you allow the community to make you stronger or do you just run to the community when you in need and want everybody to stop what they're doing and lay down on the altar and pray for you over your problems when you haven't done anything to participate in your own rescue? Are you utilizing the community or are you using the community? You need to surround yourself with a good community support and you need to be part of the good community support for others. And then lastly, you got to practice cognitive behavior restriction. You got to practice what you think. You got to practice what you say. You got to learn to identify those negative thoughts and those negative things that you say that you may not even realize is negative. They so ingrained in you that it just, you know, it's just what you say. You just keep it real. You're, you're being negative. You're, you're not saying what God said. You're picking up those cares by saying the wrong word. So you got to identify that and then you got to challenge it. What are you going to challenge it with? God's word. How are you going to challenge it with God's word? Because you're going to read your Bible every day. Right. You're going to make a commitment to not miss a service. And even if you miss one live, you're going to come back and, and listen to the replay. Yeah, when you're driving in your car or still binge watching four hours of your favorite show, you're just going to watch three hours. And then watch this word for an hour, right? And then lastly, you got to replace those negative thoughts with the right thoughts. Where do those right thoughts come from? Out of God's word, out of the mouth of the man and woman that God has called you to be connected to. 
out of out of out of the mouth of, of the people who are intercessory prayer team who's praying on on Wednesdays and Fridays when you're on there listening to them pray and praying with them. What happens at Bible study? Right. What happens at strategy for success? What happens at Ed talk when we're worshiping on Sunday morning? And so you got to make sure that you are participating in the things that are necessary for you to survive the squeeze. Again, Pastor Ralph on Wednesday talked about staying calm during the storm. And, and you're going to have storms in your life. But you also got to learn to develop that fortitude. Because if you don't develop the fortitude to deal with life struggles, there will be no calm in the storm. You'll be running around with your hair on fire. You'll be running around thinking the world's about to end. You'll be running around saying, woe is me. You'll be running around spewing negativity on everybody around you. Why? Because you don't have any faith. And you don't have any faith because you haven't spent time developing the fortitude to overcome pressure. Listen, I, I, I believe you guys are going to have a fantastic day. If you start to think of anything that's plaguing you today, I want you to do me a favor and stop and just take it to God. Say, God, I give it to you right now. I'm worried about how I'm going to pay this card. No, God, I give it to you right now. I'm worried about how I'm going to pay this health insurance. God, I give it to you right now. God, I'm so concerned about what this doctor's report is going to say. Give it to him right now. God, I, me and my husband, my wife, we've been trying to work it out and it's just been going crazy. Give it to him right now. I got a wayward child who's not living for the Lord. Give them to him right now. Cast your cares upon him. Don't let the enemy squeeze you to the point that he puts so much pressure on you that you become conformed to this world. The Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't become conformed to this world. When the enemy starts to squeeze you, he ought, to be, he, ought to, he, ought to, he ought to go, oops, let me stop squeezing in because the only thing coming out is the word. Because whatever's in you is what's going to come out of you. So when that pressure starts getting on you and the enemy sees that all that's coming out of you is that word, he's going to back that pressure up. Why? He don't want you squeezing that word on everybody else. He don't want you to be a testimony for everybody else. He don't want you to be a witness for the Lord that says, look what you can go through and make it. He didn't want that. He didn't want that. And because he doesn't want that, when you begin to learn these principles and these techniques in order to participate in your own rescue, then the squeeze won't squeeze you any longer. Listen, God bless you guys. We're about to go to graduation. Listen, I'm sure I'm going to be posting later on. You're going to see Caleb has graduated again. Happy graduation to everybody who's graduated. I'm about to get up out of here and go shout for my boy. He's going to become uh, not just a man at Morehouse, but a Morehouse man. All right. All right. God bless you. Love you all. See you later. Catch all the services next week. Don't miss one. Take a week and try not to miss anything and see how your life changes. God bless.